Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. As you turn, I'm going to pray for you. Father, open eyes today. Do what you do, and we'll give you all the honor and all the glory. And the church says, amen. Actually, this is from Saturday's uh, Bible Challenge, and, uh, you know, Hearing God on what to preach has become a lot easier because as we followed along with the Bible challenge, I only had a few places to seek him about. And uh, uh, this is what I was in my heart for this morning. Beginning with verse 16. It's one of those pregnant Sundays. I know the Lord has something to say. I know it's not in my notes. (laughs) So at any moment, I don't know. But I, I think, I think we're going to teach, I think. And, uh, you know, Thanksgiving is a real interesting time of year because when you stand behind this desk, you look at the congregation a little bit differently. And um, this time of year is sometimes one of the more difficult times to minister because we've just been with family that we haven't seen for a long time and old arguments just resurfaced and... <laughs> Old issues, you know, are right in your face, and folks are still in your house, uh, <laughs> or you're still in other people's houses. And uh, so this Sunday, you know, Thanksgiving weekend is just, you know, a, a challenging Sunday. Um, and uh, yes, I'm filling up time for just a moment. I'm trying to see what it is the Lord wants to, to, to say here. Um, um, It's in my heart. It's not even proper English. But it's I got you. I got you. I got you. And, um, you know, maybe Thanksgiving didn't go the way you wanted. But most of us have food. Um, Many of us do have a family. Many of us did have, you know, heat and, and warm clothes. And uh, we do have cause to be thankful. Now, this Sunday, I'm already long. So me doing this just means we're going to be a little bit longer. Um, But uh, just in my heart, I feel like the Lord's saying to me, I got you. I got you. And and I think he's saying it to all of us. I got you. And uh, see, the the challenge, and I'm going to go here in a sec is um, you, you can help people. You can even love people, but you can't choose for people. No. And um, everybody makes choices. And your life really doesn't rise higher than the level of your choices. And um, usually this time of year, we realize, you know, whether or not we've been making good choices or bad choices throughout the year. And, you know, if your marriage is struggling this time of year, it seems to struggle a little bit more. Choices. If those you love are distant, it becomes a little more apparent this time of year. Choices. If you can't take care of things you know you should be taking care of, this time of year becomes more apparent. Choices. And... 
God does miracles, and that's awesome, but he doesn't liberate us from our own choices. Um, without choices, we become computers. We, we're no longer free. There's a price for freedom. And often it's the consequences of our choices, whether good or bad. Today, as we dig into to God's word, we're going to watch Paul and Silas's choices. And I want you to listen to the narrative that most of you already read on Saturday, but I want you to listen to it through the filter of, you know what? They, who, they were who they were because of their choice. They got through what they got through because of their choices. And if I would make the same choices at midnight, we're about to read it. I can have the same results that these two got. All right. Acts 16, 16. Now it happened. The King James Version said, and it came to pass. Now, in the Bible, this phrase occurs over and over, over a hundred times, and, and it emphasizes the fact that everything that comes will also pass. So you might have a bad day. You might have a bad week. You might have a bad month. You might even have a bad year. But that doesn't necessarily make a bad life, because this too shall pass. Now it happened as we went to prayer. Now, Paul had a remarkable prayer life. But in, in the next verses, we're going to begin to see that despite how close we are to God, people can still frustrate us. Am I the only one that understands that? If people never baffle you, you must not be paying attention. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 8, Paul tells us a little bit more. He's talking about his experience. He's talking about his ministry team. He said this. We are hard-pressed on every side. And what he was saying is if it wasn't one thing, it was another. If it wasn't the house, it was the car. If it wasn't the spouse, it was the child. If it wasn't the, the job, it was the church. If it wasn't the school, it was, was your health. If it wasn't your enemies, it was, it was your, your friends. If it wasn't being single, it was being married. If it wasn't being married, it's being divorced. You know, it was always something. If it wasn't one thing, it was another. Pressed on every side. Watch this. Yet not crushed. With all the things going on in his life, he kept his head up. And he was confident that God could still turn it around. And then he continues, because many of us have this idea that if we attain some level of spirituality, you know, we'll kind of be above it all. And, and we, we'll never have to deal with normal human things that people have to deal with. But that's not true. Because he says, we are perplexed. This man wrote at least one third, some say as much as a half of the New Testament. And with all this revelation, he was puzzled with people and circumstances at times. But watch this. But not in despair. Though he couldn't figure it out all the time, he didn't lose hope because he knew that even though it didn't make sense to him, God was working on something behind the scenes. And true faith, trust, though it doesn't quite add up right now, in the end it will make sense. Then he continues, he says, persecuted, but not forsaken. People attacked Paul, criticized Paul. People made fun of Paul. People tried to hurt and harm Paul. But in spite of it all, God was with him. And people may abandon you. People may turn on you, but God never will. Amen. Amen. Then he says this. He says, 
This is my, my, my favorite part here, because I've been here so many times, and perhaps you have too. He says, struck down. The King James Version says, cast down. The imagery here is of a sheep stuck on its back. And when a sheep was, was cast, I want to see that, that photo. It could not flip over in its own strength. So if a sheep was ever cast, it could not keep up with the rest of the flock. It could not run from a wolf. The only thing that could help a sheep in this position was for a shepherd to come along and use his crook or, or his staff to flip him. Have you ever been in a position where you absolutely couldn't help yourself? I mean, you, you, you thought it through, you prayed it through, you used all your energy to try to get up and to get back on track, but you were still laying on your back. This is, is the value of having a good shepherd in your life. You know, growth can be risky, but few things are more dangerous than being stuck where you don't belong. He said, at times in my journey, I'm on my back without power to get up. I'm on my back and I, I, I can smell the wolves coming in my direction. I'm on my back and everything of value to me seems to have moved on and, and, and the flock has gone on to greener pastures and I'm stuck here. Ever have moments like that in your, your life? He said, struck down or cast down, but not destroyed. He's saying despite his vulnerabilities, to despite all that, 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 that wasn't working out the way he thought it should. God not only protected him from predators without, but also from his weaknesses within. And we may not have all the answers, but we can call on the one who does. There is a name above every name that can be named, that knows right where you are, right what you need, and he can flip it and turn it in just a moment's time. Acts 16, 16. Now it happened as we went to pray. He was just doing what a man ought to do, a godly man should do. I mean, he minding his business, just going to prayer, doing nothing wrong. And a certain slave girl possessed, controlled, influenced, overcome by a devil. The language here in the King James, the New King James says spirit of divination, but the, the Greek is literally spirit of Python. And that spirit is descriptive of what the adversary wants to do in each of our lives. And what the spirit would do, though, it was, it was connected to also Apollos and all that stuff back then, but it was used to predict the future. And, you know, what, what we have to understand is we do not operate in a spiritually closed system. The Bible says that there are angels and demons. There's God and a devil. Now, they're not equal in power, but they both exist. And with that understanding, we must know that everything that goes bump in the night is not necessarily God. Because both, remember, Jesus was Jesus, but the devil started speaking to him while he was in the wilderness. If you be the son of God, if you be, it's not a closed system. So every voice he heard was not the voice of God. Every voice you hear is not necessarily the voice of God. 
It might be supernatural, but it doesn't mean it's God. The way you find out if it's God is lining it up against his word. You you say, okay, Bishop, that's old-fashioned. No, no, no. You need to think about this. God never changes. And if God never changes what he said 2,000 years ago, he still thinks today. In fact, Peter says it this way. He says, a thousand years is as one day with the Lord. So is your thinking that it's only been two days in God's mind since Jesus spoke all that stuff he said? It's only been two days since Apostle Paul and Peter put their lives on the line to share this gospel. But you think in two days, God kind of forgot what he said the first time. After two days, he's rethinking his conclusions and modifying his principles. The way you know it's God is by comparing it to folks you know really heard from God. He said, this demonized girl met us. You see, if you're really doing the Lord's work, you won't really have to look for the devil. Believe me, he will find you. And he brought, or who brought, her master's much profit by fortune-telling. So we see here that demons know some things, just not all things. They have some power, just not all power. And this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Have you ever been in a situation where the person said all the right things, but with the wrong spirit? And this was the situation, it was kind of a conundrum for Paul. Now, she's saying the right things, how do I rebuke her? But I know that she's not really repentant yet. She, she really hasn't turned her life completely over to God. How do I deal with what she's doing without undermining what God's still trying to work in her heart? What do you do when people are saying the right thing? but with the wrong spirit. James 2 and 9, 19 explains, he says this. He says, you believe that there's one God. He said, you know, you, you deserve a star. I mean, you know, uh, uh, kudos to you. He said, you do well. He said, that's a great start. But getting the first question right on the test is not the same as passing it. How many of y'all have learned that? So James digs in. He says, uh, you know, that, that's good. But here's the truth. Even the demons believe. Do you know demons don't debate with each other whether or not God exists? Only humans do that. Here's four things you got to embrace every moment of the day if you choose not to believe in God. Number one. You have to believe that nothing somehow created everything. I know you're thinking people. Wrap your head around that. Somehow chaos created order. Somehow non-life or something non-living created life. Somehow out of nowhere, non-consciousness created consciousness. Now, I could go on and on. The irrational created the rational. 
Something without sight created sight. Someone death created hearing. The challenge is I just don't have enough faith to live in such unbelief. You see, it takes faith to believe that something came out of nothing. Matter of fact, I say it takes more faith to believe that something came out of nothing than for me to believe that everything that is came out of God. So you may criticize people with faith, but people with faith look back at you. Saying if anyone is incredulous, if anybody is dealing with irrationality, it's not us, but you. He said, even the demons believe and tremble. Demons know God exists. They just refuse to submit to his goodness. It's one thing knowing God. It's another thing to submit and to love God back. Would you do something for me? Would you nudge your neighbor and say, don't be like the devil? Yeah. You see, the devil knows he is. He just won't submit. And we're just like the devil. We admit he is, but won't come under. Acts 16, 18. It'll get worse before it gets better. <laughs> and this she did for many days. God had obviously been working on the young lady's heart. And she was listening to Paul preach and and, and, and it caused her to, to respond. But we see that this demon was truly like, like, like Python because every time she, she tried to get free, it would apply more pressure to squeeze the very life out of her mind and, and the light that was trying to come in. And, and the devil has no mercy. He's not kind. His eyes are more like a shark. And there's no, no, no. Man, he, he, he just wants what he wants. And when he's through, he leaves you for dead. But Paul, greatly annoyed. Some of us have the mindset that if you become spiritual enough, you'll never get angry. You'll never get upset. You, you, you'll, you'll be just fine all the time. That's not Bible. How many of you know Jesus overthrew some tables? Yeah. How many of you know that he looked at some men and said, you a whitewashed sepulcher? And then he called another group, a whole bunch of snakes. How, how, you don't do that with a smile on your face. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> it says here, Paul was greatly annoyed. The Greek there says, it speaks of being thoroughly worn out by irritation. And what happened is he couldn't tolerate the sad condition of this little girl anymore. So he turned to the spirit and he said to the spirit, notice he did not address the girl. His anger was not with the young lady, but the devil behind her bondage. And we got to stop fighting with flesh and blood. You hear what I'm saying? It's not the person. It's the spirit behind the person that has the person's mind and thought life trapped. And Paul had no questions in his heart. So you'd hear no question in his speech. He said, I command you. You see, the devil is a bully. 
And he will seldom lead, leave without confrontation, without you standing your ground. So he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. I've been pastor for a long time, and some things can be counseled out. Some things can be taught out. But there's some things so deep in people that they can only be cast out. And when Paul stepped into his authority and stopped just talking to the girl and talked to the spirit behind the girl, it says, and he came out that very hour. What I want you to notice is when he used his authority, he he was able to resolve in an hour what he had dealt with for days and this little girl had probably experienced for a lifetime. The last thing the enemy wants you to do is realize who you are in Christ. The last thing he wants you to do is begin to discover the power in that name. See, what he wants you to do is fight with your family over Thanksgiving instead of speaking to the spirit behind the problem in your family. He wants you to break the relationship with the person so he can keep them separated and and in bondage to himself. But what we got to learn to do, that's a spirit. That's a devil. And I'm not saying, don't, don't, I'm not saying you walk up to people and start casting demons. I'm not telling you to do that. Every now and then you might need to, but, but, but what I, I learned to do, just do a little bit under my, in the name of Jesus. Or go to the bathroom for a long break. And you speak to the spirit behind the foolishness. Instead of arguing with the fool, I've got to get back to the text. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, and we see that the man didn't really care about the girl, all he cared about was money. You want to to see how people really are? Get some money involved. They're all sweet, I love the Lord, get some money involved. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.